You're listening to The Living Word with Danny Hodges of Calvary Chapel Fellowship in St. Pete. They wandered in deserts and mountains and in caves and holes in the ground. These were all, all, now he goes back to all the characters in this hall of faith. These were all commended for their faith. Yet none of them received what had been promised. Now that's an interesting statement. So what's promised is not just maybe to be one who's delivered from the lion's den, delivered from the flaming furnace. No, it's got to be something beyond that. It's got to be beyond this life. Think about the people of the Old Testament, people like Abraham and Sarah, Joseph and King David. Each of these people had an encounter with God, a chance to follow him and do as he asked. Yet not one of them saw his promise of a savior fulfilled. The men and women you read about walked by faith and are commended for it in the book of Hebrews. Pastor Danny will share today that you, no matter who you are, can also walk by faith today. And you have something that they didn't. You know about Jesus. Now here's Pastor Danny in the book of Hebrews chapter 11 with today's edition of The Living Word. David shows up. He says, well, how come nobody will go face this uncircumcised Philistine? David says, I'll go fight him. And they can't believe it. Saul says, well, take my armor. Saul puts his armor on him, and he's clanking around with all the armor. And David says, I can't go with these. I can't fight like this. He's going to fight by faith. Not the world's way. And he goes out, and he takes his shepherd's sling, and he goes down to the river, and he chooses five smooth stones. I don't think he thought he needed five shots. Maybe, maybe it's just a God thing, but did you know that Goliath, the Bible tells us, had four brothers? <laughs> He's got five stones. And he goes out, and Goliath, when he goes out, Goliath's like, what, are you, are you a flea coming to fight me, a flea? David says, you come to me with sword and spear. I come to you in the name of the God of Israel. And today, God will give the carcasses of the Philistines to us. But it didn't sound exactly like that. You know, it probably sounded more like, you come to me with sword and spear. I come to you in the name of that God of Israel. He's just a teenager. Goliath starts to come toward him. David puts the rock in the sling, spins it. Right in the forehead, Goliath falls down. David takes Goliath's own sword, chops his head off, takes that head back into Jerusalem. David becomes overnight national hero. Then there's Samuel. His mother's name is Hannah. For years, she was barren. She could have no children. She was distraught. She would weep. She would pray. She said, Lord, if you'll give me a son, 
Lord, if you give me a son, I'll dedicate him to you all the days of his life. God heard her prayer, gave her a son, Samuel. And she honored God, fulfilled her vow. And she takes Samuel as a young lad to the temple to serve under Eli the priest. Eli the priest has wicked sons, and Eli is lax as a parent and as a priest. And there, just as a young boy in the temple, God calls him. He doesn't know it's God. He thinks it's Eli. He goes to Eli. No, I didn't call you. Go lay back down. He lays back down. God calls again. He goes to Eli. Happens three times. Finally, Eli kind of getting some smarts to say, hey, that must be the Lord calling this boy. says, next time you hear the voice, say, speak, Lord, for your servant heareth. And God spoke again. And Samuel said, speak, Lord, for your servant hears. And as a young boy, his prophetic ministry begins. And God says to him, here's your first assignment. You go to Eli. And you tell him, because of your unfaithfulness and your unwillingness to discipline your children, judgment's coming on your family. You imagine being a young boy? You going to go tell the priest that? He's going to say, oh, thank you. Thank you so much for telling me that. His ministry as a prophet started as a young boy, and he was faithful to the Lord, standing for truth and speaking truth. He anointed the first king of Israel, Saul. And not long after he anointed him, he had to go back and rebuke that king for his unfaithfulness. What a hero. From the time he was a young boy, faithful to an aged saint. What a hero. And then the prophets. We don't have time. But two of the greatest. Elijah. I mean, can you imagine the ministry of Elijah? During the famine for three and a half years, God brings him bread and meat, breakfast and dinner, ravens, birds. Bring it to him by the Kareth Ravine. Ravine dries up. God says, go to a widow of Zarephath. I'm going to provide through her, through a widow. The widow's son dies. Elijah gets on top of the dead body and prays, and God revives the son, resurrected. He goes to Mount Carmel, and against 850 false prophets, they're out crying out to their God, so much so they get too desperate. They're cutting themselves and the altar and the sacrifice, and yet nothing happens. And the agreement was, whoever, whatever God is real God, they'll answer by fire. And after all day, these guys are out prophesying and calling on their gods and nothing from heaven. And Elijah walks out and says, okay, God, it's your turn. You show them you're the true God. And God answers by sending fire from heaven. And Elijah, Elijah had made them uh, wet the whole sacrifice and the wood and everything. And it says fire fell from heaven and got the wood and the sacrifice and all the water. And nobody had a question after that who the true God was. And Elijah never died. What a way to go. What a way to go. The prophets have been told, the other prophets, including uh, the servant of Elijah, Elisha, that God was going to take his master. And boy, when God decided to take him, you know what he sent? He sent a chariot of fire and horses of fire to pull that chariot. And Elijah was taken up in a chariot of fire, full by horses of fire. And he went up to heaven in a whirlwind while Elisha watched. Oh, what a way to go. Elisha had prayed because Elijah had said, anything I'd do for you before I go. He says, well, what I'd really like is a double portion of the blessing that's on your life. He says, well, that's a, that's a tough one. But if this happens, then that'll be the sign. And the sign came. And do you know there are twice as many miracles recorded in the ministry of Elisha as there was of his master, Elijah? 
He started his ministry. He's going up the mountain, and these, these rebellious youth come out and, and mock him and mock him. And here's what heaven thought about that. It says, God sent bears out of the woods and mauled 42 of the youth. By the way, you know what they were saying to him? Listen carefully. Come on, listen up. They said, go on up, you bald head. Go on up, you bald head. Which tells us he was bald headed. You better be careful how you talk to bald headed saints. All you shiners out there appreciate that story, don't you? So do I. Water miraculously provided for the kings of Israel and Judah as they're going to war through the ministry of Elisha. A widow who just had a little bit of oil and he said, go out, go borrow jars from your neighbors and got all these jars and then start pouring oil from the little bit you got. And God just multiplied the oil and provided all the needs of the widow and her family. A Shunammite son died and Elisha, learning from his master, Elijah got on that body and God resurrected the Shunammite son. He's with the prophets because he was the leader of the school of the prophets, as it was called. And they're uh, eating one day and they got a kettle of a soup or whatever on. And some guy goes out and gets these wild gourds. And he thinks, well, this will make the soup a little nicer. You know, he throws it in, but they were poisonous. Men start to eat. They say, there's death in the pot. Elisha says, don't worry. Takes some flour, throws it in the pot, throws it in the pot. And now all the poison's gone. What a ministry. He multiplied food for the prophets, just like Jesus did in the 4,000 and the 5,000. Naaman the Syrian was healed of his leprosy. One day, the school of the prophets is growing, and they say, we got to build a bigger school. Elisha says, okay, let's do it. Uh, one of the prophets is chopping down a tree. Axe head falls off and goes into the water. He's like, oh, what am I going to do? It was borrowed. Elisha says, show me where it fell in. Shows him where it fell in. Elisha takes a stick, throws it in there. The axe head floats to the stick, and they reach out and grab the axe head out. That's cool stuff, man. That's just cool stuff. Victory over the Arameans that surround his house, and the, the servant goes out of the house, sees the Arameans surrounding, goes back in and says, Master, what are we going to do? He says, Chill, man. It's okay. And he says, Lord, open his eyes. And the Lord opens the servant's eyes, and he looked, and around all the hills were numerous angelic chariots and angels, more numerous than the enemy. And God gives them victory. What a ministry. What a hero. I'm assuming it's quiet because you really like these stories, kids. Thanks for being so attentive. Who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, gained what was promised, who shut the mouths of lions. You have to immediately think of Daniel in the lion's den. Quench the fury of the flames. You have to think about Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, Daniel's three closest friends. You might know them better by the names Babylon gave them, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. While everybody's bowing to this false image, they will not bow. And the threat is if they do not bail, they would be thrown into the fiery furnace. King gets so mad, he makes the fire 10 times hotter than normal. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego stand before the king and say, Oh, king, we want you to know our God is able to deliver us, but if he does not, we still will not bow. They are thrown into the furnace. It's so hot, the men that threw them in were killed by the heat. Then everybody else is watching from a distance, and they're amazed because Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are walking around in the flames, and there's a fourth figure walking with them, and he looks like a son of God. wonder who that might be. 
They called him back out of the fire. They come out of the fire. It says there was no smell of smoke. Totally, completely delivered. Wow. <laughs> Escaped the edge of the sword. Weakness turned to strength. It became powerful in battle and routed foreign armies. Women received back their dead, raised to life again. I'd like to stop there, children, but, but I'm sorry. That's not where the story ends. Kids, kids, listen up. Others were tortured and refused to be released so that they might gain a better resurrection. Some faced jeers, laughing, mocking, and flogging. They were beaten. While others were chained and put in prison, they were stoned with real rocks. They were sawed in two. They were put to death by the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted, and mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains and in caves and holes in the ground. These were all, all, now he goes back to all the characters in this hall of faith. These were all commended for their faith. Yet none of them received what had been promised. Now that's an interesting statement. So what's promised is not just maybe to be one who's delivered from the lion's den, delivered from the flaming furnace. No, it's got to be something beyond that. It's got to be beyond this life. None of them received what had been promised. God had planned something better for us so that only together with us would they be made perfect. Those first stories are ones I love to tell. I love to preach. I love to teach. I love to watch movies about. I've never once read the story of David and Goliath, and I was Goliath. I've never once imagined myself Goliath. I've never once imagined myself one of David's older brothers. No. When I read the story of David, I'm David. Okay? I've never once read the story of Daniel, and I'm not Daniel. I'm Daniel. I'm in the lion's den, and I'm delivered from the lion's den. I've never once read the story of one of these heroes and not been the hero. Listen, if you're not the hero imagining yourself in the movie or in the story of the hero, you've got a mental problem. The others don't want to be one of those, but I don't have that say. Jeremiah was imprisoned and tortured. A Haggadah, which is non-legal teachings recorded in rabbinic literature, a Haggadah entitled Ascension of Messiah, asserts that the prophet Isaiah was sawn in two by false prophets of the wicked king Manasseh. And as they sawed him in two, they laughed. Second Maccabees, another historical writing, details the gruesome torture of a 90-year-old priest, Eliezer, who refused to eat swine's flesh and goes on to tell of seven brothers tortured for the same reason. Second Maccabees, that was the period when Antiochus Epiphanes, the Syrian ruler who's a type of the Antichrist, was ruling. And under his reign, he persecuted and murdered Jews in ways that can only be rivaled by the Holocaust. Other historical records tell us that some believers were fastened to a device and stretched little by little until their joints were pulled out of socket. Fox's Book of Christian Martyrs tells one harrowing tale after another of the world's assault on believers throughout history. Jesus said about John the Baptist, of those born of women, there's none greater than John. 
He said about John, when you went out to John in the desert, what'd you go out to see? A reed swayed by the wind? No, no, a prophet and more than a prophet. That's Jesus' estimation of John, of those born of women, none greater. He had the privilege of introducing the bridegroom, the Savior to the world. He's the friend of the bridegroom. And yet John, as his ministry decreased and Jesus' increased, it so decreased that he ended up imprisoned by Herod. And there's no record in the Bible Jesus ever visited him. Jesus never sent an apostle to visit him. Jesus never sent a card, we're thinking about you, John, praying for you. As a matter of fact, John sent some of his disciples to Jesus, and here's what he has them ask Jesus. Are you the one? Or should we look for somebody else? Am I wrong? Have I been wrong all these years saying, you are the Lamb of God, you're the Savior? Are you the right one? Even John was perplexed at his suffering. Let me tell you, the things described here is not simply suffering, but acute, brutal, ultimate suffering. But despite their suffering, these others persevered in faith. Now here's, here, listen up to these last couple of statements. These are things I wrote down for these others. Their faith was commended by God, even though they performed no great exploits or experienced any miracles from heaven. There are two faces of faith here, two faces. The one is that of deliverance, of earthly resurrection, of escape and victory over the enemies faced in this life. But the other face of faith is one that endures even the most cruel and painful treatment that the world and hell itself can throw at the believer. It perseveres no matter how great the pain. One writer said it this way. There is a deliverance that faith embraces. There is a deliverance that faith rejects. What does that mean? It embraces going through the fiery furnace and not even having the smell of smoke. It embraces the lion's mouth being shut. What's the deliverance that faith rejects? We want you to know, O king, our God is able to deliver us, but if he does not, we will not bow. We will die. We will suffer. The world was not worthy of these others. God looks at these saints. I wrote this for myself. God looks at these saints who endured such suffering in this world as the greatest of heaven's heroes. The world did not realize how blessed they were to have these saints in their midst. It's the same today. Psalm 16, verse 3, as for the saints who are in the land, they are the glorious ones in whom is my delight. Jesus said in Matthew 5 about believers, verses 13 and 14, you are the salt of the earth. You prevent decay and corruption. But sometimes the world doesn't want you to prevent the decay and corruption. They like the decay and the corruption because there's pleasure in it. And then he said, you're the light of the world. You give light. You give hope. But sometimes the world doesn't want that. And they reject you. And they reject your message. And they reject the hope that you bring. What an amazing thing. The world was not worthy of them. Do you know God wouldn't rain down fire and brimstone on Sodom and Gomorrah until the righteous by faith were out? You know, you and I just living in a community can stay God's hand of judgment. you realize that? 
but the world doesn't recognize what a blessing we are. And that's why God says the world is not worthy of them. The way the world treats them, they don't even realize how blessed they are because you're in their midst. They gained a better resurrection. That's what it said. As a result of their perseverance and faith, despite great suffering and loss. Let me give you an amazing verse. Isaiah chapter 57. Two verses. Verse 1. The righteous perish and no one ponders it in his heart. Devout men are taken away and no one understands that the righteous are taken away to be spared from evil. Those who walk uprightly enter into peace. They find rest as they lie in death. In other words, sometimes God says, I'm going to allow you to allow him to treat you so, and then I'm going to allow him to take your life. So I'm going to just take you home. Paul the Apostle said in Philippians 1, verses 23 and 24, I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far. I wrote this for myself. I'll share this with you. To be killed for refusing to give in to the threats of one's persecutors and then have God raise you from the dead in this present world means that you will once again have to face the same world that caused you so much pain. As a Christian, to leave this world at a time that on the surface seems premature, once on the other side becomes crystal clear that it was a blessing. Those saints we love who have, for whatever reason, been taken from us at a time we consider too soon, if they had the opportunity to return, they would not. The pain is on this side. On the other side, there's nothing but glory. I'll give you one more note on the others. And it's this. The faith these others manifested marks the pinnacle, the pinnacle of faith that pleases God. You can't get any higher. A willingness to suffer manifests a faith that is completely subject to God, that bows submissively to whatever he is pleased to send, which has been so completely won to him that torture and death are deliberately chosen over apostasy. To be faithful unto death, to have unshakable confidence in the Lord, though he suffers us to be slain. To trust him when to sight and sense it seems he's deserted us is the highest exercise of all faith. Here's where... I feel like the Lord wants to do in just a few minutes that we have left a fresh work. And he's begun that work through his word. A lot of people here, a lot of different situations. And some of us, you know, we've just been delivered from the fiery furnace. Praise the Lord. Some of us, the mouths of the lions have been shut. Praise God. Thank him for it. But some of us, right on the precipice and the path is going to get painful you got the report from the doctor whether about you or about your spouse or your kid some of us in the last year you've lost a child you've lost somebody you love but some of us are right there we're right there and you're realizing you know unless God gives me a miracle which every one of us would want to heal your spouse, to heal you, to heal whatever it is. But you're on the precipice and you're looking, you're saying, this is going to be painful. You need to pray, pray. And if you'll pray, God will meet you where you are. He will. You know, some of us, <laughs> you're off the precipice. You're in the lion's den. The lions are chomping. You're there. You're in the suffering right now. You know what you need to do? Cry out to God. Pray. And you pray sincerely. He'll meet you where you are. Thank you.
We're so blessed to be able to share the Word of God with you on each new edition of The Living Word. Thanks for being a part of our valued listening audience. Pastor Danny will continue his study in the book of Hebrews next time, so we hope you'll join us again. We'd like to take a moment and ask you to consider partnering with us as we continue to share the hope of salvation with the world. Would you join us in praying for the listeners of The Living Word? Pray that God would touch each person with His love and open their hearts to the truth of His Word. Please pray for us also. We want to continue following God's plan for this program no matter where He asks us to go. We know the power of prayer, and we appreciate you doing this for us. Would you also ask the Lord about contributing financially to The Living Word? This program is professionally produced to provide the best quality messages possible so as not to distract from the message of the Bible. That does incur some costs, however, so if you feel led to give, visit our website at ccfstpete.church and click on the online giving guide under Forms. Any and all amounts are greatly appreciated and will be used to share the good news of Jesus' love for the world. Thank you for praying about this. That website once more is ccfstpete.church. With that, we've come to an end of our time with you today. We pray that God continues to bless you as you study His Word and open your heart to His unending love and grace. Thanks again for tuning in today to The Living Word.